Hi, and thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush Podcast. We know that this episode today is going to bless your life and take your vision to the next level. We hope that you can share it, subscribe, and be a part of what God is doing right here at Carleton University, around the world, at Campus Rush. Remembrance. Today is America's Thanksgiving, isn't it? America's Thanksgiving. There's something about remembrance. Um, In order for you to properly thank somebody, it's imperative that you dig deep to remember what that person has done for you. You know what I mean? Like, when you begin to remember how God has brought you through times where you should have died, times of despair, times of brokenness, seasons of drought, dark seasons, and you remember those times, even the victories he's brought you through. You remember the days that God has has provided for you. Remember the graduation day. You remember the day that he, he made a way in the wilderness, and you think of all those things. It fuels you and gives you a grateful heart. It does. Are there any grateful people here? You have a grateful heart. Grateful heart. Grateful heart. Praise God. You see, so when we begin to um, talk about what it is to be grateful, I remember, thank you so much, Pastor Mark. Oh, you could, if you want to chill, you can chill. It's fine. Let's clap for Pastor, our music team, all everybody, Pastor Shoah and everybody. Um, you know, like I said, in order to properly remember what God has done, you have to, or properly thank God for what he's done, you have to remember what he's done. And I remember um, when I was four years old, surprisingly, the moment I walked up here, God just brought that to my memory. And I remember so clearly, it was like, it feels like it was yesterday. And I was just, you know, at the time, my uncle had lived in, you know, the main floor, and our family lived in the basement. And so I remember a time where I had come from the basement, and my parents, uh, I think, were doing something at the time, and my aunt was washing dishes. And I remember a time so clearly where she was washing dishes, and she began to soak the, the spoons and the forks and everything in, in the disinfectant. She began to soak it in Drano. And I remember so clearly, like, I didn't know what it was, but one of the spoons fell to the ground because it was too tall, like it was too high for me to get. So one of the spoons had fallen to the ground and I grabbed the spoon, the disinfectant, which is literally a corrosive element, and I just put it in my mouth, put it in my tongue, and I was just a kid, I was like four years old, or even less than that, I was just walking around, and, and then my aunt came out of nowhere, and she's like, Kofi. I'm like, I don't know what to say, I was like three. And all I remember is she says, we have to go to the hospital right now. She went to grab my parents, and all of a sudden, on the way to the hospital, my parents are literally telling me that my whole mouth is, is, is corroding. My whole mouth, my lips, everywhere is, is corroding. I'm literally dying. I'm li- like, if it kept going, it would have just, my whole face would have been corroded. I would have died. And the moment I got up here, God says, give me thanks. Because in that moment, that could have been the end. And you wouldn't even be able to have grown up to the point whereby God would speak or I would speak to you to even start this ministry. So begin to give me thanks. Because if I hadn't gotten you out of that situation in that moment, you wouldn't have been able to walk in the full purpose of what I've called you to. Many times we're so quick to find out, God, what are you saying about my next? That you forget to thank him about what God has done in the past and what God is doing in the present. 
we always want the word God what are you saying God what are you saying God what are you saying God is always speaking but there are times where we have to pause to say God I know you're speaking to me but I don't want anything from you other than to be in your presence to thank you to give you thanks and so God told me he said I did that to you when you were a child because I never wanted you to forget the fact that you should always have childlike faith. Do you know there is such power in having childlike faith? Childlike faith. You know what childlike faith does? Childlike faith, Nick, is basically you, you, you standing before the father as a son or as a daughter to know that even though I may not have what I need, I have a father who has all of my supplies. Having childlike faith is saying, you know what, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I know that I have a father who provides for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Having childlike faith is, is being in the, in the comfort of, of your parents and being the comfort of those who love you and knowing that everything is going to be all right. Is anybody here that is desiring to have childlike faith? Childlike faith is almost greedy. Have you ever been with a child? You have to literally tell them, say thank you. <laughs> You literally have to train a child to say thank you. Because we have to even train children to say sharing is. I remember my mom teaching me that all the time. Kofi, share with your brother. Share with your brother. I'm like, mom, why do I have to share with him? Share with your brother. Sharing is caring. And she would teach it to me and teach it to me until it became a lifestyle where it's like, oh, yeah, no problem. I can share with you. But even as children, we have to learn how to even share things. That, that shows us some of the elements that come with childlike faith. To know that even childlike faith can sometimes be selfish faith. Where, you know what, I, I know that I have to pray for you, and I will. But in this moment, I have to get what I need from God. You see, some of us come into atmospheres and moments like this, and we don't take advantage of the fact that God is here, and he knows you by name, and he knows the amount of hairs on your head, and he's come specifically for you to transform your life and change your life. It's no longer something about if God is going to. It's all about are you willing to be positioned for God to move on your behalf? Am I speaking to anybody here? Am I communicating the word of God? And so there is a, there is a necessity to have childlike faith. Someone shouted after me, say childlike faith. One more time for those in the back. Say childlike faith. You see, let me give you a, a few things I've come to understand. I've come to understand that the oil, Pastor Oba, begins to actually work at the intersection between maturity and vulnerability. The anointing oil upon your life actually begins to spew out and work at the intersection between maturity and vulnerability. I'm mature enough and I'm king enough to operate in my power, but I'm son enough to admit when I'm wrong. Yeah. That's when the anointing oil actually begins to work for you. It's at the intersection of I'm mature enough to know that I have power and I have dominion, but I'm childlike enough to know when the presence of the king is in the building, I can't be proud to say I'm just going to look around, but I'm going to go on my knees. I'm going to stretch out my hands. I'm going to worship my God because in his presence, I'm his son. Yeah. In his presence, I'm his son. So there is a necessity to go back to being children before God. Do you know there's still healing power in transparency? Tap your neighbor and say, there's still healing power in transparency. There is still healing power. You can be healed by just being honest. <laughs> Some of us are living in bondage because we have nobody we can be real with. 
Because everybody we open up to stabs us in the back and shares all of our messages. But God is bringing you, and I see it in this room, people who are going to be with you just for God, who God has called you to be. People who are coming to you because they believe in what God has given you. There is still a remnant and a people and a space for people that can be honest and transparent. God blesses who you actually are. Years ago, I preached a sermon called, um, um, uh, what was it called? Um, years ago, I preached a sermon called, um, I think it was called something like Beneath the Mask or something, or The Mask Must Go, something like that. I think years ago, probably like five years ago, I preached a sermon called The Mask Must Go. And, and I brought up a mask up here, and, and as I brought up a mask, I put it on my face, and I said, this is how we look sometimes in the presence of God, where we try to fool God by pretending to be somebody he knows we're not. Not that we, we, we are trying to, no, no, he already knows you're not that person. So when God sees you, he sees through your mask. But we come to his presence believing that, okay, well, I'm going to hide this and hide that and hide that and hide that. And God says, why are you trying to hide when you're in my presence? I see right through you. So why are you trying to pretend to be somebody when God knows who you are? The Bible says he took dust and formed you. He breathed his breath in you. Don't you know you're God's agent on earth? Don't you know his DNA is in you? Don't you know that when he breathes, a bit of him is still in you? He has a tracking device on you. He knows what you do. He doesn't sleep nor slumber. He knows where you're at. He knows the feelings in your heart. He knows the aspirations on your heart. He knows the things that you want to accomplish in this life. So why do we fail to be 100% with God when he's always been 100% with us? Matthew 18, 2 and 4 says he called little children to him and placed the child among them. Verse 3 says, and he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom. These are the words from our Messiah Jesus telling us that it's not even just in phantom that I'm trying to tell you to have childlike faith. I'm even telling you that unless you have childlike faith, you will not even enter into the kingdom of God. Unless you see me as a father, unless you're vulnerable in my presence, you're kidding yourself by what you're doing with me. There is a necessity to go back to being children before the father. There is a desperate desire. I, I hope that I'm preaching to a room full of people who, who are desperate to know Jesus. If you're desperate to know this Jesus even more, let me just see. I want to know who I'm speaking to. Okay, so I'm speaking with people who desperately want to know Jesus. Just make some noise if you desperately want to know Jesus. Let me hear. All right. Okay. So you desperately want to know Jesus. Now this Jesus that we're desperately trying to get to know is telling us in Matthew that unless you become like a child and take the lowly position, it didn't say the favorable position. It said the lowly position. That means the, the, the position that's actually not favored by man. But it's a position that is necessary by God. For you to take the lowly position in order for you to inherit the kingdom of heaven and to enter into the kingdom of heaven. There are things that you have to understand. Let's learn from the children. Uh, Nick, you can bring myself up. Let's learn from the children. Five things I've come to know and come to learn from, from children. Um, I've come to understand that children don't take no for an answer. 
Have you ever been around a little cousin, a brother? A, a, have you been around a nephew? When you tell them, I have two godchildren, okay? Uh, one of my godchildren's name is Aaliyah. I have another uh, a godson. His name is Ezrael. I love him. He actually has my name, Ruel. Now, I remember one time I saw Ezrael and his mom. And, <laughs> and she's my sister, and I love her so much. And Ezrael is, is one child who understands what it means to say, if you tell me that I can't have it, I will cry until I actually get it. I mean, I love the boy with everything in me, but he has this fighting spirit that's like, if you tell me I can't have it, I'll find a way. I remember one time he came to my house, and I had just gotten like um, St. Louis chicken wings, and I got like, um, like um, uh, is it St. Louis? Is it St. Louis? Saint, whatever. St. Louis, whatever it's called. Chicken wings and fries or whatever. I think it was like Tuesday or Monday or whatever the deal is, whatever. So I went to get chicken wings, and I had like, I got a booster juice. And I was drinking it, and I asked him, I was like, do you want some of my booster juice? And he's like, no, I don't want any booster juice. I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm eating my food. Uh, I put my cup down. My mom calls me. I go to my mom in the living room. By the time I come back, this boy took my booster juice, and he put it all over him, and he's like this. I'm like, I thought you told me you didn't, if you didn't want booze, if you didn't, if you wanted some, I would have poured some in a little cup for you. But you told me you didn't want anything, so I didn't pour anything for you. And he's like, no, I want some. I'm like, okay, so I poured some in a cup for him, and I'm eating my fries. I'm like, do you want some fries? He's like, no, I don't want fries. I'm like, all right, cool. But in my own wisdom, I split some fries, and I just put it there just in case. Because I learned from the past experience. So I put some fries there just in case. Can you believe my mom called me one more time? Not only did he finish my fries, but he finished his fries. He finished his fries, finished my booster juice, and I'm like, I love this little boy, but if you tell it, if you told me you wanted some, I would have allocated for you, and I would have made some room for you. The boy knows what it means to say, if you tell me I can't have it, I will find a way to get it. You see, God is looking for children like that. God is looking for children. You see, I was preaching in Montreal. Shout out to our Montreal branch and Campus Church Concordia. We had an awesome time there. We had an awesome time in Concordia, and I was teaching them uh, based off of Matthew 26, something that I taught at Team Night on Monday. And I was teaching them this fact. I said that when it, come, when it came to Jesus going to Gethsemane and when he was praying, the Bible says that he literally prayed the prayer, God, if it's your will, allow this cup to pass me over. And a lot of people think he just prayed that once. But in actuality, he prayed that prayer three times. Someone shout three times. He prayed that prayer three times. Now, if you're here last week, you understand that we actually roll in threes. It's not just us, but it's me, goodness, and me, goodness, and it, it always works in threes. God is a God of threes. And, and so he, 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 he went to Gethsemane. And as he was in Gethsemane, he prayed the prayer, God, should it be your will? Allow this cup to pass me over. He comes back, finds his disciples sleeping. He goes back, he prays the same prayer. We are in a day and age in our Christianity where we can't just pray one prayer expecting God to move. No. We are in the day and age in our walks with God, in our Christian walk and in Christendom where we have to continue to plow the ground until water comes out. It is the days of watching and praying. It is the days of intercession. God is calling the church, the generation back to intercession. Back to the days of God. If it's your will, let it be done. Nothing happens. No worries. Monday I prayed. Tuesday I go back to my prayer closet. God, if it's your will, let it happen. Nothing happens. Okay, Wednesday I'm going to pray. Some of us, the reason why we don't seek God move is because we get weary in our prayer. Can I preach to you tonight? Can I, we're having a conversation. 
We don't continue to go to God in prayer and ask him for the same thing. Do you know that many times, and I'm myself guilty, I pray for something once and I leave it. And I pray for something else. And then we complain when the thing that we pray for is not answered. How about we pray and pray and pray until we see God do something. The Bible says that the effective fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Availeth much. That means that a lot of things happen when we pray consistent prayers. Someone shout consistent prayers. Children know how to, how, how, how to not take no for an answer. And we have to learn what it means to not take no for an answer. I mean, they said you couldn't have that job. So what? Create a job. I mean, you'll find a way, regardless of what the circumstances, find a way around it. You can't take no for an answer. The Bible says, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven have suffered violence. And what? The violent take it by? Oh, no, no, no. You're not here. Don't you, you, we know our Bible, right? It says the violent take it by? Force. Do you know what it means to take by force? It means that even if they say the job position is filled, I still go there telling them, but God told me I'm meant to be here. Yo. You see, the reason why I don't preach this type of sermons is because now in our day and age, everybody wants specific sermons that are going to make them feel good. God didn't call me to make you feel good. God called me to challenge you into your tomorrow. If I always preach what will make you feel good, you will have cavities in the spirit. Always sweet, 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 sweet. But I have to give you some vegetables, some meat, some fishes. I have to give you some broccoli. I know you don't like green peas, but tonight you need it for your health in the spirit. The violence take you by force. There is a reason why heaven cannot trust you with your next level. You know why heaven can't trust you yet? You're not aggressive enough. You know how aggressive children are? My nephew, my, my gosh, he literally ate all my fries. I was like, this little boy ate all my fries. And you know the funny part about it? He ate my fries, drank my booster juice, and saw me with a popsicle, sat on my lap, and ate my popsicle. <sighs> I was like, hey, he, he eats a lot. I mean, that one, he eats a lot. But B, the boy knew what he wanted. He knew what he wanted. He doesn't have to communicate it, but he knew what he wanted. Many of us fault because we show people our aggression. No. You don't have to show people your aggression. God needs to see it in the prayer closet. That's why the scripture says you are to go into your prayer closet, shut the door, hit your knees in prayer, and begin to plow the ground. This generation don't like words like this. We don't want to pray. We want a quick fix. Just give me 10 steps to prosperity, five steps to a happy life, three steps to get rich quick, four steps to clear off my debt, six steps to know he's the one. Oh, they clapped on that one. Seven steps to know that she's Jezebel run. They, you know, they, those are all great, and there's a place for that. But until you hit the ground in prayer, can I tell you that you can have all the keys in the world, Pastor John? Happy birthday, by the way. Do you know you can hit every, let's clap for him. It's our, our pastor at La Cite, we love him so much. Do you know you can have all the keys in the world, but all the answers in the world are on your knees in prayer. The keys are in books. The answer is in heaven. <laughs> 
I'm working here tonight. I said the keys are in books, but the answer is in heaven. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday. Your answer is not a textbook. Your answer is not a degree. Your answer is not a job. Your answer is Jesus. Your answer is the king of kings. You need to have aggressive faith, childlike faith. Hit the floor in prayer. Pray the same prayer. Jesus Christ was about to die. He didn't pray any other prayer, but God, let your will be done. Do you know what he was doing? He was praying himself into the will of God. Can I go deeper? You guys want God's will to happen. He was praying the will. That's why the Bible says in Matthew, the Bible says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, thy kingdom come. We gotta say a little harder than that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, thy kingdom come. He was praying. He says, In this manner should you pray. In this manner should you pray. So the will of God doesn't fall on your lap. You pray yourself into the will of God. So Jesus Christ was in Gethsemane. And in Gethsemane, he was about to die. I mean, they were about to arrest him. But yet he was praying, Father, my soul. You see, there's two parts of us. It was the soul. Of course, you have the body, but tripartite being. But the soul was saying, God, if it's your will, let this cup pass me over. I'm not trying to die. But yet the spirit was saying, but you know what? Nevertheless, thy will be done. So there will always be two arguments in you over any decision. Please be seated. There will always be two arguments. There will always be two things in you, two arguments. God, let this cup pass me by. And the other argument would be, but your will be done. There was always two sides to everything. God, this is what I want to do. God, this is what you need me to do. God, this is the job I want. This is the place you need me to be. God, this is the place, this is the church I want. God, this is the church you've called me to. There is always a, 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 a distinction between what you want and what you need. So Jesus Christ is about to die. They're about to arrest him. And he prays the same prayer three times. And you know what was happening? As he was praying the prayer, Judas was betraying him. As he was praying the prayer, the soldiers were marching forward. As he was praying the prayer, he comes out of his prayer closet. And he says, the hour has now come. Take me. Everybody wants to fight the arrest. But Jesus says, take me. I prayed myself into this. Can I go deeper? There are some valleys you got to pray yourself into. They don't want to hear this one. They don't want to hear this. Pastor, no, 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 that's not theologically correct. We got to pray ourselves out of the valley. We got to pray ourselves out of it. We got to pray ourselves out of it. How will you ever be able to enjoy the victory if there is no battle? How? There is no victory without battle. There are some, some things that God literally will have you pray. Your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. And then you'll go into a situation and say, God, this is not your will. How about if it is his will? How about he led you into the valley of the shadow of death? He led you. So if he led you, don't you know that he will also take you out? If he led you through something, get with my shoes. If he led you through something, then he will also take you out of something. Help me just tap somebody and say, you're about to come out. Tell somebody again, say, you're about to come out. Thank you, sir. 
you are literally on the cusp of your next level breakthrough. All right? Let me finish this quickly. Someone shout a loud amen here. Oh, shout it louder. Say amen. One thing about children, I don't have time to go through all of, all of the, 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 the things that I have here, but I'll go through one of them. One thing about children that I've come to understand, uh, Nick, you can come, please, is that they, they feel no shame in asking for help. They feel no shame in asking for help. Can I have one person? Pastor, would you come, please? They literally feel no shame in asking for help. Out of the many statements that Jesus Christ made in the Bible, one of the statements that he made that I love so much is found in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. And we're going to read this. Children understand what it means to come to God. They understand what it means to ask for help. There's something, can we go, let's turn to that really quickly. Matthew um, eleven twenty eight. We're going to read it and then I'll depict some few things in the scripture. You can come here, Pastor. Matthew, thank you so much. Can we read this together? Can you put it to me, and give it to me in the NLT if you don't mind, please? Let's read in the NLT all together. Um, I would really love that. All right, you ready? Here we go. One, two, three, and let's read. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. I love this scripture because Jesus Christ was making a statement. He was speaking. He was speaking in the scripture. I was t I'm talking to you about having childlike faith. Children know when to come for help. I have even met a child before and you literally, you're trying to walk through the hallway and uncle, can you help me tie my shoe? Uncle, can you, you have nephews, how many do you have? You have two, three nephews? Two nephews, two, oh Jesus, you're an uncle, uncle. <laughs> you're a real uncle. You have two nephews, two nieces. I'm sure your nephew has come to you sometimes. He's asking, what are some things that your nephews actually do for him? Throw him up, pick him up. Throw him up, play with him, do different things. He'll come, he'll ask you. I'm sure, Yahshua, you're preaching with me today. Let's clap for Yahshua. He's amazing, our minstrel. I'm sure there was a time that your nephew or your niece might have come to you for help. Is that, is that right? Okay, give me a paint to me a scenario, just really quick. What's a time? Um, playing in the park. Playing in the park, what happens in the park? Jumping up on the, I don't know what this thing is, but he just needs help to get from one spot to the next spot. He's preaching, this is a preacher. He's preaching. Say so he needed help getting from one spot to the next spot. You cannot move without Jesus. Look at that. That's scripture. <laughs> Anything will preach. Somebody shout, that'll preach. So he said that he said that there was a time that his nephew was trying to get onto the monkey bars to get onto the play structure, and he needed help getting from one end of the play structure to the next end of the play structure. He knew he couldn't do it by himself, so he said, I need to go and consult my uncle. Christians nowadays, us believers, we don't do this type of thing. The Bible says, come to Jesus. Do you know that's an invitation? Oh my God. He's inviting you. I want to help you. Come. It's an invitation. Put this book down for me. Hand me this book. I'm going to hold it. Put the mic so I can. It says, what? It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are what? Come on, let's read it together. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are what? And... Are these not heavy burdens? He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, that what? I will give you. I will give you. Rest is a promise from God. He says, I will give you rest in as much as you can come to me.
This is where childlike faith is necessary because grown man faith would say, I can do this all by myself. Big boy faith would say, I don't need to come to Jesus. I see you, but I got this. So, you know the worst part about this whole thing is that there are some people that can be with Jesus but not come to Jesus. You see Jesus, but you're not with Jesus. You're in the church, but you got issues, struggles, burdens, pain, distress. Nothing makes sense. It's because you are in his vicinity, but not yet with the master. But the promise is come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will, care, I will give you rest. This is the beginning of your humility, turning to Jesus. The beginning of your humility is realizing that he has the answers. From here on out, what you have to do is take steps towards Jesus. See, that's why coming to church is not an overnight, the moment I turn to Jesus, all my issues end. No. That's why when you turn to Jesus, the first thing that happens is you have to grow in Christ. You take steps towards the Father. So you'll take steps towards him and you're close to him, but yet still you carry things because your burdens and your heavy burdens and your weight will not be able to be exchanged until you are now with him. Come to me. You have to be with him. The moment you come to him, what happens is this. He says, I will give you, shout it after me. So I will give you. I will give you. I will give you. Anybody here need divine rest? You need divine rest? I prophesy, may rest meet you at home. I'm not talking about sleep. I'm talking about rest. You've been carrying this mortgage. You've been carrying this school loan. You've been carrying your emotional baggage. You've been looking for a place just to have some peace. God says tonight he is bringing you rest. I've come to prophesy to 45 people here. God is about to bring you rest. Shout yes. So he, he, he brings all of his burdens. And what happens is, is I love it so much. It's a divine exchange. Go to the next verse, verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you. So what happens is you exchange it. He takes your burdens, but he gives you a yoke. So then people are asking, why would I exchange one battle for another battle? Oh, talk to me. Like, why would I, why would I put down one struggle to take up another you see, when it comes to yoke, you have to understand that it's within the concept of oxen. You have to know when the scripture was written. Literally, a yoke is when, obviously, you have something that goes around the neck. I'm going to use you for this because I can't do it for myself. Bless you, great man of God. Uh, Gucci poppy. Uh, so, so it, says, it says, you are now taking on the yoke. It says, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble. And gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. The rest you need in your souls is found in the yoke you take from Jesus. The yoke you take from Jesus is literally equivalent to saying this. I came to Jesus. As I came to him, he gave me a ministry. He gave me something to do in the church. Now a lot of people substitute and say, well, ministry is now a burden. I keep serving and serving and serving. I'm tired. I serve, I serve. I've been serving for years. I'm tired. 
You see, it's because we don't have enough revelation to understand that if you bring your burdens, God will bring a yoke. But the beautiful thing is that you're not on your own. The yoke is attached. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I can do all things through whom? Christ who? I can do all things through? Who strengthens me? Christ is here. You are here. There was a connection. The connection is the moment you exchange your burdens, he gave you a yoke. The yoke was he gave you a burden for souls. He gave you a burden for the lost. He gave you a burning desire to know more about Jesus. It's a burden. It's a yoke. It's something that you can't shake off. But the Bible says in the next verse, go on to verses 30. This is where I'm finishing for tonight. It says, for my yoke is easy to bear. Oh, my God. It says, my yoke is easy to bear. And it says, I give you, the burden I give you is what? It says, it's light. The burden I give you is? The burden I give you is? That means that even though you do have a yoke, the Bible says, yet my grace is sufficient. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. As you exchange the burdens, God gives you a yoke. The yoke is something that people don't understand, but yet still, it's not something that's meant to break you. Life without Jesus can break you. Life with Jesus, you're with the breaker. No, 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 no. I'm going. I'm gone. You're with the one who breaks you for purpose. He breaks you on purpose. He breaks you for a reason. If God has given you a yoke for souls, do you think God will ask you to go plant a church without giving you a vision? Do you think God will ask you to have a ministry without the burning passion to do it? Do you think God will bring you to a place to serve without giving you energy and passion to serve? No. He will give you a yoke, but his grace is sufficient for you. This only happens the moment we turn to Jesus and come to him. The only way you'll come to Jesus is when you have childlike faith to know, God, I need you. If you need Jesus, jump up on your feet. I'm done. We need Jesus. We need him. We need him every minute. We need him every second. We need him every millisecond. We need Jesus desperately. This generation needs Jesus. Your family needs Jesus. Your home needs Jesus. Your occupation needs Jesus. We need him. We need him. But there is a breaking that has to happen. And the breaking is not even accepting the yoke. This is way far. This is where we are. <laughs> This is where many of us are in our walk. We haven't even gotten to the point where we have the yoke and we need the grace. We're just at the point where we're struggling with turning. Like, should I carry it by myself? Should I turn to Jesus? Should I carry it? Should I turn? Tonight God has come here and there's grace for you not, all, not only to turn, but to make steps towards the Savior. Come on. That's the good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Real quick, and I won't take your time. If you're struggling with turning to Jesus, you've been trying, you've been carrying your burden, you're struggling with turning to Jesus, come to me at this altar. I want to pray for you. Run here. Don't walk here. Run here. You've been struggling with turning to Jesus. You're struggling with turning to him. you got to turn to him. You're carrying burdens. Some of you guys, emotional pain for years. Some of you guys, traumas. 
Your family has traumatized you for years. You just don't know how to turn. Like, how do I turn to Jesus? How do I turn? There's an open invitation. God is saying, come to me. How do I come to him? Come to me at this altar right now. As you're coming, you're walking here prophetically. You're walking to Jesus. Yeah. There's about five more people that know that they need to be at this altar. I'm going to wait for them. There's one, two, three, four, five. Keep coming. There it is. Huh. Huh. Keep coming. Yeah. 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 Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. We're having childlike faith tonight. Childlike faith tonight. Childlike faith. Childlike faith. You know one thing about child, children? Children are not easily embarrassed. They can do anything. I mean, they can run up and down, fall on the ground. They do not care about how they look. They just know that they're safe in the presence of their pastors, in the presence of their parents, in the presence of ones who look over them. You're safe here because God's presence is here. Now, this is going to be an interesting altar call because no one's going to lay hands on you. You are going to exercise childlike faith. You are going to lift your hand. You are going to pray. You are going to tell them, God, you're my father. You know everything about me. There's no reason for me to pretend. You already know who I am. So I stretch my hands. I, I cry out to you, God, I give my burden. So what you're going to do, you're going to raise your hands and you're just going to begin to surrender to God. You're just going to begin to just wave your hands and do whatever you have to do in childlike faith. Approach towards the Father to say, God, I surrender to you. Church, let's lift it up in this place. Let's begin to pray and surrender. Let's just surrender to him. Surrender. If you're at this altar, just stretch your hands out. Wave them up and begin to surrender. Begin to surrender. Just begin to surrender. Nobody's going to be with you on judgment day. Nobody stands between you and the Father. Nobody will be with you at the judgment day. It will just be you and God. Come on, exercise that childlike faith. We're in about teenage faith right now. We're going to get to children faith soon. Come on, exercise it. Childlike faith doesn't care about how they look like. Childlike faith is desperate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And begin to surrender. Open up your mouth. Begin to surrender. Open up your mouth. Say, Jesus, you know everything. God, I surrender. I give you. I give you my heavy burden. I give you my weight. Yeah. 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 Thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush Podcast. If you enjoyed this message and want to partner with us, visit us at www.campusrush.org to become a global partner or to partner with us in giving.